2: For the teams that you love. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch Third. Of course, I'm joined here inside the game studios by the producer extraordinaire and someone who likes to hoop it up at night, the one and only Hannah Five Names. We got a great hump day edition of the show. We only got two guests today. Got plenty of time for your phone calls. Hotline is open, as always. Love to hear from you. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Area Gerson will be joining us. She covers Vanderbilt athletics for the Tennessean. Going to give us that preview of LSU Vandy. Final regular season series for both teams. LSU coming off the sweep at the hands of Ole Miss. Vandy having won five of their last six weekend series. Commodores are trending upwards heading into the SEC tournament. We'll catch up with her at 8.02 this morning. At 8.30, Ross Jackson, our buddy from the Locked on Saints podcast, will join us. We'll get his reaction about the Jarvis Landry. Signing, and what do the Saints do now? What is their moves? What are the positions of need? And what is he looking for when training camp comes around, which will be in a matter of no time? So we got two great guests lined up for you, both in the final hour of today's show, hour number three. So we'll have plenty of time to get those phone calls from you. Game hotline is open, 337-706-0111. And we're going to touch on LSU and UL wrapping up their final midweek contest of the baseball season. Did so with W's. Hello. Get those wins. They kept rolling. NBA playoffs, Eastern Conference finals. Tipped off last night. Jimmy Butler's a bad man. And Boston, who was without a few players due to health and safety protocols. Al Horford yet again. They led this game by like 13 points. And then the Heat took over as Jimmy Butler dropped 41 last night for the Miami Heat, including 17 in the third quarter. Blocked Jason Tatum. Stole the ball from Jason Tatum. And the Heat are now up 1-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals. NBA Draft Lottery was last night as well. Orlando Magic get the number one overall pick the pelicans don't get that top four pick top five pick they were hoping for but they keep the pick they're at eight what do they do with that do they trade it do they keep it what do they do they're in a weird spot there it's still a lottery pick it can still be someone that can help them moving forward but slight disappointment if you're a pelican fan And of course, we do have our poll question of the day. And it's a good one. It's our foodie question of the week. How do you like your crawfish? Oh, brought out the big guns today. How do you like your crawfish? You like it in a crawfish boil? You like it in a crawfish etouffee? You like it on a crawfish po boy? Or is it all of the above? Go vote on our poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. And leave your comments, if you will, please, on Facebook and Twitter. But we got to start off today's show talking to Houston Astros. What a performance they put on last night in Boston. They dropped the first game of the series. Jake Odorizzi hurts himself. Reports coming out that even though the Astros did not, in fact, give us an update, they did place them on the injured list, but they did not give us an update as to the extent of the injury. Some reports have it that the Astros feel like it's not as bad as it's going that they initially thought. So Jake Odorizzi may not be out for the season. So that's some hopefulness for Astros fan. And he was seen at the game last night smiling in the dugout. So he's injured. He has to go on to the injured list, formerly known as the disabled list. But there are some thoughts in the organization that he may not be lost over the year. So that's a good sign. And then the Astros decided to go out there and essentially... Put on home run derby inside historic Fenway Park. Absolute. Just an absolute display of power and poor pitch placement by Boston. (laughs) Because the Astros teed off 13 to 4 is the final score from last night's game. Houston hit five home runs in the second inning alone. Five in one inning. Five. I've never seen that before. I've never seen a team, very rarely do you ever see a team hit five home runs in an entire game. The Astros hit five home runs in one inning. In the second inning. Boston was leading this game one to nothing. And then the Astros hit five home runs in the second inning plating nine runs in the frame. And Boston hit two home runs in this game too. There was a total of eight home runs hit in this game. Eight. Devers hits the home run for Boston in the bottom of the first. Goes straight to right center. Boom. They're up 1-0. And then the second, Jordan Alvarez, homer to left. Kyle Tucker, homer to right, which was a two-run blast because Yuli Gurriel had gotten on. He's had a good weekend. He's turning things around. Last year's AL batting champion. Then, Pena. That's right, the rookie sensation. Carlos Correa's replacement. He hits a solo shot to left field. Then, Malnado and Altuve get on base. And Michael Brantley Jr., the forgotten guy, the forgotten great hitter in the lineup. We we'll always forget to talk about him. He promptly hits a three run jack. And they're still going through the lineup because Guriel comes back up. Alvarez gets on base. And then Yuli gets himself a two run home run. And that's just in the second inning. Now, J.D. Martinez, homer to left in the third. That was a two-run jack. And you're like, man, wow, this is how this is going to be. But it was still 9-3 to three because obviously Houston nearly put up double-digit numbers in one inning. But apparently, J.D. Martinez, two-run jack, upset, fired up those Astros hitters. Because they were like, hey, we're the ones hitting home runs today. So Bregman, Alvarez, and Yuli all get on base again. And Kyle Tucker comes up there and hits a grand slam. Grand slam. The scoring finally ends in the fifth when Boston scores the last run of the game. But what a night at the plate. You look at the box score, every starter had a hit. Every starter had a hit in this game. Everyone they played in the lineup had a hit, except for McCormick, who came in and only had one at bat. <laughs>
1: Just like, what? What?
2: All those home runs, all those base runners. You know how many walks they had? One. So it's not even as if Boston was giving them free, giving them freebies by putting men on the base paths. They only drew one walk. What a dominant performance! I've said it over and over again. When one guy slips, everyone else picks it up. Yuli's had a rough go of it to start the season until this last weekend when all of a sudden he turned it on. And we heard James Yasko tell us as much last week when we had him on, saying Yuli had just been kind of unlucky to start the season. Balls that he was hitting were hits last year, were barely being outs this year. So it was just a matter of time. And yeah, he's getting older. And eventually father time catches up with everyone. Which just does. But Yuli is turning things around. But even if Yuli is having a bad stretch of games, or Bregman's had a bad stretch of games, or Altuve remember who had a bad stretch to start the season, this lineup is so deep and so talented, it doesn't matter, because there's always going to be someone like Tucker or Alvarez or Michael Brantley Jr. There's always going to be somebody else that's going to rise to the occasion and help carry the load. And this is how this team's been built for a while. This isn't a 2022 season kind of thing for the Astros. This is how this has been built from jump. Even back when they had Correa and Springer and others, this is how they've been built. It's how they've built their roster. Jose Akiti, not his best stuff, Right? 12 hits, four runs on 12 hits, only lasted five innings, only struck out one. Didn't have his best stuff, but it was good enough. Martinez came in, pitched pretty well for three innings. Didn't give up a run, any earned runs, only the one hit and two walks. But the Shroes get it done. 13-4. Thirteen to four. Five home runs in the second inning alone. Then they had a grand slam later in the game in the fourth when Tucker hits it. And the shows improved to twenty-four wins on the season. Twenty-four and thirteen now. Didn't take them that long. I, I said it for the longest time. They have a slow start. I kept telling. Folks, this, some Astro fans, very passionate Astro fans were upset. Oh, the slow start. Pump the brakes. This team always starts slow. When it turns to May, they heat up and they become one of the best teams in baseball. And sure enough, here we are. And guess what? The Houston Astros are one of the best teams in baseball. It's funny how that worked out. Hey, if you love the Strohs. And we know you do. You want to see them live in person, don't you? If you're a fan of the Houston Astros, you want to see them in person. and It doesn't always happen, right? Can't afford the tickets. Can't afford paying, you know, the gas to get over there. You can maybe afford the tickets and the concessions, but the gas on top of it, you can't do it. You need a little help. We got you. We got you taken care of. The game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston's going to be taking on the Chicago White Sox on Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there to see the Strohs take on the Southsiders. Go register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041 thegamecom to score four tickets, four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. See, that helps out. We're going to give you four tickets to see White Sox Astros. You're going to get a tour of the ballpark. And guess what? You don't have to worry about paying for that hotel room. We got you covered as well. You You just attack that couch cushion to get all the change for the gas to get you there. We got you the tickets. We got you the hotel room. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher A.C., Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Once again, Astro's Weekend Getaway number two. White Sox Astros, Saturday, June 18th. But you can only win that by going to register in our clubhouse today. So go sign up. It's free to do so. We got to take a timeout. We'll talk what lsu and ul were able to accomplish last night on the diamond both of them victorious that'll be coming up next right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station
1: soccer isn't this great man i love soccer here we go galaxy here we go okay maybe not soccer but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
2: The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041. Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising. With the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience, this is what you're going to get. You're going to score VIP passes. That means you're going to have access to areas that others don't. You want to be stuck in the back watching the show? Or do you want to be up front, near the stage? Get to see how things operate. Get to be so close to the Cold War kids that you can touch them. That's what you're going to get with the VIP passes. And here's the thing. Not only are you going to score the VIP passes, you're also going to have a chance to meet the Cold War kids. That's right. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041 thegamecom to win VIP passes for Downtown Rising featuring Cold War kids on Saturday, June the 4th. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Radar Solutions, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Also, later on today, in the 8 o'clock hour, watch out now, we'll unveil our trivia question, giving away passes for Downtown Rising. Day one, it was Saints. Saints question yesterday was an Astros question today LSU just letting you know trivia question gonna be coming up in hour number three today where you'll have the opportunity if you answer it correctly that you can score a pair of tickets to downtown rising get excited let's go y'all been pumped up We've had back-to-back winners very excited about winning those passes. Let's head out to the hotline. Right now, though, welcome on, Reynolds, to the show. Reynolds, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Good
3: Good morning. Beautiful, beautiful day.
2: There you go, bud. Why is it so beautiful, man? You're ready to go. You're having a great day already, and it's only 626. Hey.
3: Hey, whenever you're 57 years old, you can wake up and breathe. I mean, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful day.
2: <laughs> I hear you, brother. I hear you. What's on your mind, my friend?
3: Well, two things. So I'm going to start with the first thing. So earlier, I noticed that whenever the introduction came on, it was, it started with Hannah 5 names with RP3. So do I see a, a uh, power shift? In the show, and now Hannah Fidnays is now the face and name of the show. I'm just putting it out there because <laughs> I think I think she just did a a, a coup de grace and just Ooh. did a power shift on you. Ooh. That's what I'm saying.
2: Oh, see, so I shouldn't take right now. She she's a little under weather. She's covered up in what I would only describe as a Meemaw blanket. <laughs>
4: i got another I think, love for you I five names. She, she's covered she's up a in a blanket in, in
2: the studio today.
3: Wolf's clothing. I think that's what's happening here.
2: Oh, the sweetness. She's disguised. I got you. I got you. All right, bud. Hey, I got to ask you about our poll question of the day, bud. How do you like your crawfish? Uh, what you mean? Well, that's our poll question of the day, bud. How do you like your crawfish? In a crawfish boil? In a crawfish etouffee? Or a crawfish pull boy? Or all of the above? Oh. Uh...
3: Crawfish. But one thing, I'm not one to go uh, uh, to a restaurant and get boiled crawfish. I'd rather boil it at home.
2: Oh, see?
3: My wife loves it, and she will go to the restaurant and buy it all day. Then buy it in a restaurant.
2: I got you, bud. Reynolds, have a great day, brother. Appreciate the phone call, my friend.
3: Can I ask you a a quick question? Yeah, go ahead, bud. So, on paper, I see the Saints of having a really good year. I agree. Uh, so, I will say, what, what's their weakest besides running back? Because I think uh, Taysom Hill is going to be really good at tight end. So, I don't think they're weak there. Besides, besides running back and maybe offensive guard or tackle, where do you see their weakness? Because I see them being really strong this year. Y'all have a great and blessed day.
2: You too, brother. You too. Reynolds right on top of it. It's the offensive line. They're set with the starters. It's the depth. And you get the, the big fella from Northern Iowa in the first round. And they really like Hurst, right? So they can battle it out to be your left tackle. And whoever doesn't win the job in camp will just simply be the backup. And and that's good. So you you got that covered at left tackle. You're getting Andres Pete back, which is nice, even though he's pond water. You get McCoy back. And you got Cesar Ruiz at right guard. And obviously Ramchak, who's in the conversation of being the best right tackle in football. But who do you have behind those guys? You got the youngster out of Kentucky last year who played a few games before getting injured. They're really high on him, the six-round pick that they took a year ago. Okay, well, that's only one more spot. The depth across the offensive line is the other s- slight concern for the Saints. Running back's top, but you know, you brought in Doug Marone. He's going to fix the offensive line. He's going to make it better. He's going to figure out Caesar who is, and if he can't, then Caesar's not going to have a job. That's how that's going to work. You you draft the Rook in the first round as well. You get Andres Pete back healthy. But I'd like them to get another interior offensive lineman just as a backup because you can't have enough of those guys as they proved last year. You can't have enough dependable offensive linemen. You just can't. So I think that should be their focus is trying to bring in somebody else there to beef it up. But running back is definitely one. You need to get a veteran running back. For sure. The foodie poll question of the day: How do you like your crawfish? Right now, leading the vote: 56% of you say all of the above. 28% say crawfish boil. 16% say crawfish étouffée. No votes yet. Straight up for the crawfish pole boy. JPK the OD boiled with a side of the soup of the day. As long as the soup of the day is a well-aged bourbon with ice croutons. Hashtag, I don't get full, get tired of peeling. And he shared a, shared a gif of Al Pacino from Scarface, but instead of the the coca on the table, it's nothing but boiled crawfish. That is, that's all types of creative. Steve on the Twitter says, All of the above, I'll add crawfish bisque Ooh, to the selection. That's a good choice. Only because in the winter... Is my go-to warm-up food. Put the mud bugs in front of me, and I turn into a magician who can make them disappear. Tan on Twitter says, I like fried tails as well. There we go. A friend of mine used to work at a Chinese restaurant, and they had crawfish fried rice, which was also amazing. I've had that, too. It's very good. John Paul, Cajun Daddy. Bold is by far my favorite. Don't like the cleanup or mess of the shells or other trash, but it's worth it. Good morning. Good morning to you, too, John Paul. Thank you. Hart, with his most efficient comment ever in the history of this show, yes, all caps, yes, all caps. Also, friend of the show, Zach Miller, the man that we rely to in the falls for our fantasy football vice, former RP3 and company fantasy football league champion, And I'll say it, friend of yours truly, texted in this morning, wait for it, crawfish fettuccine. Game changer. You just can't really go wrong with crawfish, but we want to hear from you. Love the reactions. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. It's the foodie poll question of the week. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. Good phone call there by Reynolds. Could it be in the mix for the Game Changer of the Week? What? He brings up a conspiracy theory about Hannah. He talks about Crawfish. He talks about Saints. Just saying. That's a trifecta. Got to take a timeout. When we return, we will recap what happened last night on the Diamond for both UL and LSU baseball. We'll also get to the NBA playoffs. It's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for
2: a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet that netted me a
1: cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk-taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now now back to more RP3 and company on on the the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's sports sports station.
2: Of the Game 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of Top Gun Maverick. That's right. One of the most highly anticipated movies of the summer. It's going to be a blockbuster starring Tom Cruise, of course, in the role of Maverick. You can see it, though, before anyone else. <laughs> you want to be that person, right? You want to brag. You want to be on social media. Be like, guess what I'm doing? Watching Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, it doesn't come out till tomorrow, but I'm watching it now. You got to text top gun to six, eight, six, eight, three. That's top gun to six, eight, six, eight, three to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek, May 26, which is right around the corner at the celebrity theater in Broussard. It's the top gun sneak peek preview brought to you by big boy toys and hobbies and the game Southwest Louisiana sports station, Houston Astros just crushed the face of the Boston Red Sox. Five home runs in the second inning alone last night. Then Kyle Tucker added a grand slam for good measure later on as they route the Red Sox to even that series one one game apiece. Game three will be tonight, and you can listen to it live right here on the game, by the way. But it wasn't the only action on the diamond that was taking place last night. Final midweek games of the regular season for both LSU and... And UL. And unlike a lot of teams that decided to cancel games, their midweek games against opponents with bad RPIs because they didn't want a chance hurting their chances for an NCAA regional, LSU and UL both played their games. They said, you know what? We're doing this. LSU was swept over the weekend at home by Ole Miss. Jay Johnson. Wants his guys to get back on track, and they did so in a big way against poor Northwestern State. Sorry, Jamie. Sorry, Mr. Green. LSU dominates NSU 19-7 to in a game that was thankfully called in the seventh inning. Mercy Rule was brought into play. And huh, they just went crazy. Designated hitter Braden Jaubert. I don't think he pronounces his name with that type of flair, but I like to do so. Jobert? Jobert? Braden Jobert and catcher Hayden Travinsky combined for three home runs and seven ribbies Tuesday night to lead LSU to a 19-7 win over Northwestern State. They're at the box. Excuse me. The game was halted in the seventh due to the 10-run rule. LSU does improve to 34-18. On the season. And now they'll gear up for their final weekend series of the season. A three-game set at Vanderbilt that will be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then the SEC tournament the following week in Hoover, Alabama. Joe Bear, by the way, blasted two home runs, drove in three runs. He has now has 14 home runs on the season. 14. Last time I checked, that's pretty good. Just saying. That's pretty good. Just saying. Pretty good. So, LSU did tie the single-game NCAA record for hit-by-pitches as well in this game. That's a weird little factor. As the Tigers were hit on 10 occasions by Northwestern State pitchers. Not only do you get crushed if you're the Demons, you then help the opposition tie in NCAA record for most hit batters in a game. Like, you hit 10 of them. Was Northwestern State doing that on purpose? Did Jamie Green put in a phone call? Hey, I'm tired of seeing LSU. Hit him up. I don't know what happened. I don't know what type of power, what type of juice, so to speak, Mr. Green has. He may have that. Not for sure. But LSU crushes the faces of the Demons 19 to 7, and now they're geared up for Vandy. Look, playing Northwestern State, not going to help them in the RPI. Routing the Demons like they did, mercy ruling them in only seven innings, is not going to help them for the RPI, is not going to help them for an NCAA regional. What it can do for LSU is is let them get their confidence back after being humbled over the weekend at the hands of the Ole Miss Rebels. And you're going to need that confidence because this is not a vintage Vanderbilt Commodore team they're going to be taking on this coming weekend in Nashville. It's just not. But, but, the Commodores have won five of their last six weekend series. They are coming on strong It is tough to play in Nashville. The Vandy Whistler is always there, annoying everyone. It's a tough place to play. Vandy's looking to improve their options. They have a chance to actually hosting a regional. So if they can take down LSU, that could possibly lock that up for them. It's going to be a tough, tough series for LSU. So beating up on poor Northwestern State. And let them get their mojo back, so to speak. Heading into a tough road series. Because if LSU wants to have any chance of hosting a regional, they're going to have to go in there and at least take two or three from Vandy. And then still put together a run at the SEC tournament in Hoover. Matt Deggs' team, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, meanwhile improved the 31-20 and 20 on the season. As they held their final midweek contest of the year. Take it on the Nichols-Colonels. 6-1 was your final score in this game. And it was kind of a revenge game for the Raging Cajuns because Nichols had beat them earlier in the season. It's a game that the Cajuns should not have dropped, but did. And they got back on track. 6-1 victory. Nichols was actually leading this game, heading into the sixth inning. 1-0. One nothing. It was a pitcher's duel, and then, well, then they came alive. Then they came alive. Was able to avenge that six five loss back on March twenty third, and Will Vayon got himself a pinch hit home run, and Austin Perrin and a pair of relievers combined on the first two-hitter thrown by Raging Cajun's pitching staff in five years. First time in five years that the Cajuns combined for a two-hitter. So the pitching was on point. Will Veyon got himself a timely hit. Heath Hood, Tyler Robertson each went two for four at the plate as well. Nice little tune-up game. They needed that. They were humbled by Texas State, getting swept by them, didn't hurt their RPI, but didn't knock them out of getting into an NCAA regional. But now the Cajuns, their focus has to be Little Rock this coming weekend, three games, their final regular season series is going to be there at the Teague, and they're going to have to probably sweep them and then make a run in the conference tournament. I think if they reach the championship game of the conference tournament, That could be enough. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, who joins us on Mondays, believes they have to win the whole thing. So there's no room for error for Matt Deggs' team moving forward. But they took a step in the right direction. Once again, Little Rock series will be Thursday, Friday, Saturday as well. They're at the Teague to wrap up the regular season for the Raging Cajuns. But it just wasn't. On the diamond, that was exciting last night. Can we talk about the NBA playoffs for a moment? Celtics heat is going to be as balanced as you're going to get. Both teams play very good defense. Both teams have guys that can take over games. They're not quite on the superstar status level, but I don't think that matters, and I actually think it makes these teams better because of it. Because they have multiple guys that can step up. But when we talked with Ali Cassell yesterday from the Bird Rights about this series, and a lot of people like Boston in this series, and last night's game did not change my perception on that either. I still like Boston to win this series. But I asked Ali Cassell yesterday, is the X factor in this series Jimmy Butler, and does Jimmy need to take over every game? and that's exactly what Jimmy Butler did last night in Game 1 as he dropped 41 points on Boston. They could not stop him. He put together a beautiful performance on the basketball court. 118-107 to victory for the Heat as they take Game 1 of this Eastern Conference Finals, and Jimmy was absolutely magnificent. 41 points. That's the first thing that you look at. That's the first thing that grabs your attention, right? 12 of 19 shooting. Boston had no answer for Jimmy. None. Boston was the best defensive team the last 35 games of the regular season. And they've been lights out in the playoffs. They had no answer for Jimmy Butler. 12 of 19 from the field. All of his points, none of them were three pointers. 41 points, he was 7 of 18 from the free throw line, had 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals, he had 3 blocks. He was all over Jason Tatum. He was in his business from jump. He blocked Tatum on that 3-point shot, and you're like, woohoo, what? He stole the ball, swiped it a couple times from Jason Tatum. We're going to have to check it in. Our boy James Mesh today probably not having a great day. And the Heat with just a beautiful performance by Jimmy Butler. He had some help, too. Three of the other starters both all scored in double figures to help him out. Hero came off the bench like a hero, 18 points. And that third quarter was something else. Boston led by double figures. Then came the third quarter where Miami outscored Boston 39-14. to 14. Jimmy had 17 of his 41 in the third quarter last night. Can Jimmy play this way the entire series? I don't think so. And Boston didn't really have an answer for Giannis in the last series, and they still were able to beat the Bucks, the defending champs, in seven games. Because they just absorbed the Greek freak doing his thing. And they didn't have Chris Middleton. Milwaukee didn't. So Boston took advantage and was able to win the series. And due to health and protocol procedures, your Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Smart, and your playoff hero from the last series, and the veteran, the old man, Al Horford, Did not play because they're in health and safety protocols. So Boston was out without two starters. But once again, Miami's not going to take it easy on them. Not going to take it easy on them. And you have to deal with injuries during the NBA playoffs because they take so long. Everyone's nicked up. Everyone's banged up. Williams was not a factor. Only seven points. Five fouls. Jason Tatum, 10 of 21 from the field. He had 29 points to pace the Celtics, but they only had three players play off the bench either. Either 118 to 107. And when I asked Ali about Jimmy being the X-Factor, he goes, we've seen this before. If it does happen, we've seen it before because that's exactly what Jimmy did. Exactly what Jimmy did. When they went to the NBA Finals in the bubble two years ago, he took over in the playoffs and became an unstoppable force. So Miami takes the one nothing series lead in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Celtics. We'll have to keep, we'll have to keep watching. When is Al Horford going to be able to return when Marcus Smart's going to return? Because that could play a huge role in this series for Boston. They can't win this series without those two guys. They just can't. They're deep and they're immensely talented, but you need two of your starters. You just can't do it. Tonight will be game one of the Western Conference Finals between the Dallas Mavericks, who can stop Luka, and Golden State. I don't know about this series because the Warriors should win this series. Golden State should win. They have Draymond. They have Steph. They have Clay, They have that trifecta of guys that know how to win NBA World Championships. They've done it. And they got some new guys. But offensively, they turn over the ball way too much. This is like the Golden State team from like 2013. A ton of turnovers. And they just seem a little off. And they struggled and looked bad in games they even won against Memphis when Memphis didn't have John Moran. So I expect Golden State to win. They should win this series. But how are they going to slow down Luka? Game one of the Western Conference Finals will be tonight. And then game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. Finals will come back on Thursday. We got to take a time out. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll give you an update on the poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, the game, 1037 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles wants to hook you up with ride tickets for the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome, May 26th to June the 5th. Look, you know you love taking your little ones to the fair, but it's expensive. It can be wildly expensive. We want to help you with that. Simply text CHSF to 68683 to win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. Once again, That's CHSF to 68683 to win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. Oh, man, you can have a good time there. You can have a good time there. And you don't have to worry about spending so much money on ride tickets because we want to hook you up with them. Just text CHSF to 68683 for your chance to win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. Checking on the poll question of the day, which is also our foodie poll question of the week. How do you like your crawfish? You like them boiled? You like them in an etouffee? You like them on a pull boy? Or all of the above? We also take in write-in votes, by the way. Right out 52% of you say all of the above. 33% say in a crawfish bowl. 15% say in an etouffee. No votes yet for just a pull boy. Hart has apologized. Says sorry, Ray. Efficient comment out the window. Said no one has brought up the real heavyweight contender. Crawfish nachos. Woohoo! Thank you, Hart. Game changer. I do like me some crawfish nachos. I actually like I like crawfish any way you can prepare it. On a salad, in a fettuccine, in a pasta. That's not a fettuccine. Boom we went to a crawfish bowl last weekend my daughter had a hot dog she had some of the dipping sauce on the hot dog then she decided to take some of the boiled crawfish and put them on the hot dog too. just making up stuff she goes this is delicious I said you're correct proud of you hour number one in the books hour number two coming up right here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station
0: Everything, everything gonna be all right
1: this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts third better known as RP3.
2: Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company. Our number two has arrived on this hump day edition of our show. It's been a good one so far. We've had some good phone calls. We've covered a lot of ground here this morning. Houston Astros home run derby in uh, Fenway Park. Five home runs in the second inning. They plate nine in the frame as they go on to crush the faces of the Red Sox. Tucker even added himself a grand slam later on because, well, why not? Why wouldn't you? 13-4 victory over the Red Sox. Urquidy was not great, but he didn't need to be. Not when your team's scoring 13 runs and just crushing the faces of the Boston Red Sox. You can listen to Game 3 of that series tonight First pitch, 5-10. That's right, 5-10 is going to be first pitch tonight, and you can hear it live on the game. LSU, UL played and won their final midweek contest of the regular season on the Diamond. UL took care of the Colonels 6-1. Will Veyon hit some home runs. They combined for a two-hitter, the pitching staff did, their first one in years. As they beat Nichols 6-1, to they'll get ready for a three-game series at the Teague against Little Rock this coming weekend. LSU, meanwhile, went out there and apparently decided to treat Northwestern State like they had talked bad about their mama and beat them 19-7, to mercy-ruling them in seven innings. The Demons hit 10 batters, 10. And we speculated here on the air, That proud Northwestern State grad, hashtag Mr. Forkham himself, Jamie, a.k.a. Mr. Green, had enough juice, made a couple phone calls, and decided that he wanted Northwestern State to pelt the LSU lineup as many times as possible. He now joins us on the hotline to go up against these claims these allegations i've thrown out there on the air he's trying to defend himself jamie mr green good morning how are you sir
4: good morning mr third i'm doing pretty good other than these uh baseless accusations i'm facing here look i'm the reason that there weren't 11 because i'm the one who made the call to tell him stop hitting guys
2: oh nice nice It was a rough it was a rough go of it for you, demons last night bud but I expected that especially with LSU losing and getting swept at home against Ole Miss and them deciding to actually still play the game I was like oh that's not going to be good for the demons
4: yeah I kind of felt that uh it was going to be LSU's turn this year that's that's the fact that we won you know last year that'll that'll keep me warm by the fire for the next decade or so because that just doesn't happen very often so uh but more importantly than uh, Northwestern State losing, by the way, if I were to call in any favors to get players hit, it would be La Tech, not LSU. Uh, anyway, but more important than all that, uh, I would have to say crawfish fettuccine uh, is my favorite crawfish dish.
2: Oh, there it is. Oh, how can and you, you that, can't go wrong Matt, with and, that,
4: bud. Oh, oh, man, look. When it comes to pasta, mmm, chef's kiss. Yes. And uh, my Tampa Bay Lightning are in the second round, and they won their first game. They're still on verge to go for three straight Stanley Cups. There's your hockey talk for the day.
1: Oh,
2: thank you, Jamie. Have a stupendous <laughs> day. How many more days <laughs> we got left, day. bud? How many more days we got left with kids in school?
4: Oh, uh, let's see. What's today? Wednesday? Phew, six? No. One, two, three, four. Yeah,
2: six. I was told there would be no math. <laughs> and I'm glad you don't teach math. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Jamie, have a yeah, great have day, a brother. <laughs> uh, so he says, look, I wouldn't do that to LSU, but if it was a Louisiana Tech, well, that's a different story. Yes. Crawfish fettuccine is, oof, man, that is a good one. That's a good one. See, it, Twitter doesn't give you enough options for our poll question. You can't go wrong with a crawfish boil. You can't go wrong with crawfish etouffee made by my wife specifically. You can't go wrong with a crawfish pull boy as well. There's a certain establishment near campus for uh, UL that I frequent that makes a darn good, darn good crawfish pull boy. Hashtag no free ads. Or all of the above. We could have went crawfish fettuccine. I feel like we probably should have with the fourth option instead of all of the above. But you out there listening this morning at 709 are telling us that all of the above was a correct option to have on our foodie poll question of the day how do you like your crawfish right now 50 percent of you say all of the above 33 percent say crawfish boil 17 percent say etouffee no votes yet for a pull boy but plenty of write-in votes a flurry of them for crawfish fettuccine also crawfish nachos that's a game changer dougie fresh our bud doug like mine boiled and don't you dare put the seasoning on top of the crawfish in the ice chest put seasoning in the water oh this man's coming from the people that put the seasoning on top of the crawfish doug's trying to incite violence on the poll question of the day i love it absolutely love it is there a wrong way to eat crawfish i mean seriously I got a couple of couple pounds of tails in the freezer right now. Can be thawed out at, at any time for any type of dish. Well, we stock up. Stock up. I got my spot I go to for that. By the way, I go to Ville Platte to get my crawfish tails. Been doing that for years. Shout out to Flat Town USA. Let's. Head back out to the hotline. Welcome on, Martin, to the show. Martin, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend?
0: Good morning, ball, beautiful one. How you doing this morning? What's up, bud? Hey, I have to agree with that uh, that earlier caller. Uh, I think you should start keeping an eye on uh, Miss Five names because uh, first she comes in, you know, and 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 she she beat you at the chair dance off competition. So uh, true. Then she then like he said, it's saying on the introduction, uh, it's uh, five names and and, and or RP three. Uh, pretty soon you're gonna be walking into work and she's gonna be sitting in your chair, man. I mean, Boom. and then she said she's she's cold this morning. I say, well, you the queen of the domain, why don't you go and set the thermostat to what you want it? You know,
2: <laughs> Martin's giving you all the power, giving five names all the power, and don't forget, Martin. Let's go back even further. Let's go back a year, a little bit more than a year, when she grabbed the microphone and informed Louis Prejean, former producer extraordinaire, that she was gunning for his job, that she was going to take his job. She did that live on the air, bud.
0: Well, soon to, soon to come, she's going to probably smoke him in a, in the a chair dance-off competition. So, I mean, like the old saying goes, this is Hannah's world. We're just living in it, you know.
2: Boom. Martin, appreciate the phone call, brother.
0: But I also wanted to say, uh, I got to agree with you on the Astros. Everybody was freaking out uh, when they started off slow and everything. And I tried to tell y'all good old friend, Paul, that, you know, that Yankees lover, that the Astros are making the playoffs. And as long as the Astros make the playoffs, the Yankees are not going to win no World Series because they got the Yankees number the last few years. And this is coming from a Red Sox fan. So, And I proudly say that. Loud and proud. I am a Red Sox fan. Go Red Sox. And if he's listening right now, I'm still not wearing a Yankees jersey. Thank you.
2: Martin, appreciate the phone call, but make sure to listen to the game between the Red Sox and the Astros this afternoon. First pitch, five ten. You can listen to it right here on the game. There we go. Yeah, the, the Yankees are built to win a lot of games. I don't know what's missing for them. And look, I don't follow the Yankees. I follow baseball, but I don't follow the Yankees that closely. There just always be, seems to be something just slightly missing from the makeup of their team. And yes, they run into the Astros, and the Astros do kind of have their number in the postseason in recent years. But there's just something how the Yankees are built that just feels like they're just missing something. And they spend money. They spend a ton of money. And... They've had a good season so far. And they're going to be in the playoffs. They're probably going to win the American League East. Toronto is going to be their biggest threat there. Boston seems to be like eh It's still early, but I don't know. Something with the Yankees just watching them the last handful of years just seems like eh there's just they're missing a little they're missing something. They're missing a piece. That's how it feels like to me, at least. Poll question of the day. Y'all are fired up about this today. Fired up about it. How you like your crawfish? Probably should have put crawfish fettuccine. But all of the above is winning the vote as we speak. Crawfish boil, crawfish etouffee, crawfish pole boy, or all of the above. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on, Chad, to the show. Chad, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind?
5: Good morning, my friend. Good morning. Hey, man, getting back to LSU, uh, I, I don't
6: think this does anything for LSU that game last night. They could have uh, done inter-squad and had a yeah. uh, better game than that. I, I, their confidence, if they don't have it now, they're not going to get it. They say end of the season, they know who they are, uh, so I think this game was pointless. Just like the A&M and a few other teams have canceled their games, I think it was last night they canceled Yeah. Uh, maybe for different reasons or not, but th- that game was pointless to me. They just Anyway, crawfish, fettuccine, without a doubt. Thank you, guys.
2: Appreciate your phone call, Chad. Enjoy your day, brother. Yeah, look, Chad makes a good point about LSU. If they needed to beat up on poor Northwestern State to regain their confidence, eh, there may be an issue. We're towards the tail end of the season. They should be confident. But this is a weird LSU team this year. And it's not surprising because it's Jay Johnson's first year at the helm. Right? Everything's new for them. They have new players that transferred in. Jay's new. They're adjusting to him. The pitching staff isn't quite there. So Chad brings up a good point that it shouldn't matter, that they shouldn't need a confidence booster by beating up on Northwestern State, but I don't know. I feel like this year's team kind of does. I don't think they'll need that moving forward in the years to come, but this is the first year of Jay Johnson at the helm, and they may need it. They really do. They may need that because I think they were very surprised, stunned, if you will, just how poorly they played this past weekend against Ole Miss. And I think they were stunned. Look, fans were stunned, but I think the LSU baseball team was taken aback a little bit by how poorly they played and how Ole Miss came in there and swept them in Baton Rouge for the first time ever. I think that caught them by total surprise because they were trending in a direction of hosting an NCAA regional. Now that may not even happen if they do make a run in Hoover. So that's where I would say that they maybe could use having something like that beating up on poor Northwestern state that way to help regain their confidence. Because I think it took a big hit over the weekend losing to Ole Miss. Now credit Ole Miss for playing better the last month of the season. But if you're LSU, there's no time to relax here because you get to go play at Vanderbilt, which is a difficult place to play. Vandy has a very good home field advantage, and just not because of the Whistler. But also, Vandy has now won five of their last six weekend series. They started off slow. They didn't look like they were a vintage Vandy team. I still don't think they are. I don't think they have the starting rotation that they've had in years past, in particular last year. That said, they're a traditional perennial power and now they're all there finding their mojo. So it's going to be extremely difficult. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on Manny to the show. Manny, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind?
5: What's going on there, Mr. Raymond Parts? Listen, uh, my main point is the reason LSU should have played the game is because it's on the schedule. There it is. I, you know, unless it rains... You don't cancel baseball games because you, it might hurt you. Something's wrong with the system. If we have to cancel baseball games because it might hurt your chance, to, winning might hurt your chance to get into the postseason, we, there needs to be another system. Uh, you, don't, you don't cancel. You don't just call up somebody and say, hey, I can't play you because you're not any good. Or there it is. might hurt you. Uh, that's, you know, that's my take on it. Something needs to be tweaked or I think the people who should be in question are the ones that canceled the game. They should be penalized in some form or fashion. You know, I I, I know I'm old, I'm old school and so on and so forth, but you know, that's just how I feel about it. Manny,
2: I I actually agree with you, brother. If it's on the schedule, I'm not, I, I, I don't like canceling games for that reason. I understand why they're doing it. Okay. I do understand why they're doing it, the thought process behind it. But personally, I don't like it, and I wouldn't do it. So, I yeah, I'm in agreement with you, brother.
5: Okay. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate it, man.
2: All right, Manny. Have a great day, bud. Yeah, I'm not a big canceling guy. I just – look, take away the idea of, well, we're going to cancel this game because it may hurt our RPI. Okay. Take that away. Look, if it's on the schedule, you play the games. That's how I'm built. That's how I was raised. That's how I came up. That's how I played sports. We didn't cancel games because we knew we were going to lose. I was on plenty of bad teams. And we went out there and got drubbed and took it. I've said it many times. You learn far more from your losses and your setbacks and your defeats than you do from your victories. You just do. Plus, losing in team sports builds character. Also, it's, it's from the other perspective. If you're Northwestern State and you've had some good baseball success there over the years, Mitch Gaspard did a very nice job when he was the skipper up there back in the day. They, you know, Northwestern State was a feeder system for coaches for the SEC for a while, including uh, Jim Wells, who had great success at Alabama. Couldn't beat LSU in the College World Series, but he still had a great amount of success. But if you're Northwestern State and you're having a so-so year, and let's be honest, they're having a so-so year. For a lot of these kids that are on the roster, going and playing a game inside Alex Box Stadium is a big deal. It just is. So I get it that some of these teams like Ole Miss and a and and some others canceled their midweek games for RPI purposes. I understand the reasoning behind it. I do but it's just a bad look just is and if you're so worried about your RPI taking a hit then just coach up your team better and play better and don't lose your midweek game there you go it's pretty simple that's just how I am I'm old school too in that in that regard hey today is going to be the day not only are you going to vote on our foodie poll question of the week how do you like your crawfish You need to be doing that anyway. But it's also the day that you're going to join the game clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, it's simple to sign up. You'll get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts, like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Hello. You want great steak? Got you covered. Want great seafood? Got you covered. We want to hook you up with these free gift certificates. But here's the deal you got to sign up for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. And once you do, just go to the website, click on the Rewards Club tab. That'll take you to a page. You sign up. Boom, done. It's free. You earn points, that becomes your currency, and you'll have the opportunity to win a $50 gift certificate to Hatchell Oyster House, a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, Houston Astros tickets, and so much more. So go sign up today. It's free and it's simple. Go visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Become a member of our rewards club so you can start winning today. Got to take a time out talk a little xfl yeah some interesting news came out yesterday about the league 3.0 coming back ran by the rock now interesting news came out yesterday that could this actually work we'll discuss that coming up you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station
1: Listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana.
2: Lafayette Marble and Granite is the South's largest cultured marble factory, and they pride themselves on earning your business. Look, they provide show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens and your bathrooms. I know, marble countertops in our bathroom, in our master bathroom, done by my friends over at LMG. But they can also take your outdoor living space, that man cave area, and help transform it into the envy of your neighborhood during game days this fall while you're cheering on the Cajuns, Cowboys, Tigers, and the Saints. Go visit their website, lmgelite.com today. Learn more about... All the sensational services and great products that they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit LMGelite.com. Once again, LMGelite.com. Or stop by their showroom located on I-49 North across from Hub City, Ford, in the Jockey Lot. Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business. And trust me, earn it, they will. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. It's gotten lots of reaction from you guys today. It's our foodie poll question of the week. How do you like your crawfish? You like it? Crawfish boil? Like crawfish etouffee? Like a crawfish pull boy? Or all of the above? Right now, leading the vote, 50% is all of the above. 33% for boil. 17% for crawfish etouffee. Lots of write-in votes for crawfish fettuccine. No votes yet for crawfish pull boy. Let me tell you something. A really good crawfish pull boy can make my whole day. When my wife and I started dating, and early in our marriage, every time we'd go to a new place and they offered seafood, it became the recurring. It became a, just a thing, a joke, if you will. It didn't matter if they had other items on the menu. Pull boy, I'm ordering it. Shrimp or crawfish. Taking care of it now. When I look at this poll question of the day, crawfish boil, absolutely. Crawfish etouffee, boom. All of the above, pull away. I need to figure out how can I take this poll question of the day and make it my advantage. You see, yesterday we got a new vehicle. Had our old car for almost 10 years. Had a good run with it. Traded it in. Got something new, new shiny vehicle, which means that the wife gets the new shiny vehicle and I get the old SUV, which I'm fine with. But can I somehow take that and turn that into, hey, you got your new vehicle. You need to make us some great crawfish fettuccine or crawfish etouffee. Is that a boss move for me to do so? Is it the right move for me to do so? Hannah, who's bundled up like an 80-year-old grandma this morning in a blanket, shaking her head no. I feel like, look, the sacrifices made to make sure that we have a new vehicle in the household should result in at least, at least, a delicious crawfish fettuccine or crawfish etouffee made by my wife. I don't think that's a whole lot to ask. I don't think that's a whole lot to ask. And she... Look, the favorite thing, my favorite thing that she makes is a crawfish etouffee. And our daughter Hattie loves when mama makes crawfish fettuccine or crawfish etouffee. And I've already purchased crawfish tails. They're in the freezer. Did so, made a run to Ville Platte last week and did that. So... She's got the new car. There's already crawfish in the freezer. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) And I'm getting judged right now. I can feel it from you on the other side of the glass. And I can feel it through my phone. (laughs) I've made crawfish etouffee before. It's not. My wife said it was actually pretty good. She actually liked it. Now, is it as good as hers? Absolutely not. I married a beautiful, lovely woman from St. Landry Parish. There's no scenario where your boy RP3 is going to cook anything quite as good as what she does, ever, ever, ever. Boom. We started dating. I was like, man, it's a good looking woman here. And she's smart, intelligent, she's driven. She likes me. She laughs at my dumb jokes. Then she cooked for me, and I was like, I told a buddy of mine, I was like, how am I going to convince her to marry my worthlessness? I somehow found a way. Just saying. Just saying. As a fella, you always got to marry up. Rule of thumb. Women tend to settle and marry down. Men tend to marry up. (laughs) That's what I did. And hopefully... Just saying, hopefully, I can get some uh, crawfish etouffee or crawfish fettuccine out of it this week. Just saying. Keep voting on that foodie poll question of the day. How do you like your crawfish? Boiled in an etouffee on a poor boy. We take in write-in votes. Fettuccine. Crawfish nachos have been mentioned. Those are good. Those are good. Crawfish fettuccine is very good, though, too. Keep voting. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. But we got to talk about the XFL here just for a few moments. Because something interesting happened yesterday. And they keep trying to do spring football over and over and over again. Right, we had the Alliance. We had the XFL come back and then it was gone yet again. Well, right now we got the USFL and they're using a lot of the older team names in those cities, even though they're not playing games in those cities, which is weird. They're playing all their games in Birmingham inside an empty stadium. But they're trying to make spring football a thing. And I just don't know if the audience is there. The NFL dominates the sports cycle now the entire year. There's not really an offseason season. For the NFL. There's always something that they're going to dominate the news cycle. Do I think there's a place for spring football? Yes. If it can become a feeder for the National Football League. I think there's a place for it. I really do. Do I think it's what they all anticipate it being? What they want it to be? No. No. There's just way too many choices right now. And I just don't think you're going to find something that's going to rival the NFL in the spring. But... That being said, and look, I'm rooting for the USFL. I'll be rooting for the XFL to succeed. I don't want anyone to fail that business. That's not how I'm built. But that said, something interesting happened because The Rock has taken over the XFL. Took it over from Vince McMahon. It's his baby now. He has a partner, but it's essentially it's his. And everything The Rock touches these days in the last 10 years has turned to gold, right? Dwayne Johnson has been on an absolute tear. Businessman actor, movie star, production company, everything he touches. He's got his own show, The Young Rock Show, that's a big hit. Everything touches. And I really feel what happened yesterday could be a huge step in them actually succeeding. And this is what I mean by this. couple things. First off, the XFL reached a multi-year agreement with ABC and ESPN. Those two companies are going to have exclusive broadcast rights for the XFL from 2023 all the way to 2027. So that's a four-year commitment by two of the biggest and most powerful sports entities when it comes to broadcasting in the world. ABC and ESPN are not only going to have the broadcast rights for the games, they're going to have the broadcast rights for all game day content, tentpole events, and more. Each season's 43 games will be aired and streamed across ABC, ESPN, and FX. So not only are they going to be broadcast over the air, you're going to be able to stream every single XFL game, and you're going to be able to do so through platforms like ABC and ESPN, which, of course, are owned by Disney. So they put their stamp on it and all their technology in it. This isn't piecing something together and trying to find, you know, supplementing rodeo coverage for, uh, for spring football. This is a huge deal. Not only on that, with the new branded XFL 3.0 owned by The Rock, locking up that exclusive broadcasting deal with ABC and ESPN for a period of four years and having all their games broadcast and streamed on three different platforms, the XFL is planning to kick off their return season on Saturday, February 18th of 2023. That's next year. The Super Bowl, by the way, is on February 12th which means the XFL is going to insert itself less than a week after the Super Bowl. Super Bowl ends, Lombardi Trophy gets lifted, and guess what happens? Hey, all you football fanatics, you're on a high because you've watched the Super Bowl. You're on a high because you've been betting on the Super Bowl in the NFL playoffs. Not to worry, here you go. Less than a week later, we got professional football for you right here. Tune in to ABC, ESPN, and FX. Those two things could finally be the factors, the decisions, if you will, for having spring football actually succeed. The Rock is not a dummy. The Rock is a smart businessman. And he's taking his time with this. They didn't rush to put a product out. They're taking their time. They're doing it the right way for this to succeed for years to come. Will it? I don't know. But this stood out to me as, hey, the Rock's doing things a little bit differently, and this may actually work. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, NBA playoffs, Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals was last night. Jimmy Butler goes off for 41 points, lead the Heat to a win. It was also NBA Draft Lottery night. Orlando Magic get the number one overall pick. The Pelicans, they have to settle for number eight. We'll talk about both of those things coming up after this timeout. We'll also take your phone calls. We want to get those in. Remember, we got two guests in the final hour. That's it. So we want to get your phone calls in. Want to holler at us about the poll question of the day? do so game hotlines open 337-706-0111 that's 337-706-0111 you're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station
1: want to join in the discussion with RP3 then just give us a call on the hotline you know the number two four four Niner 5678. I can't hear
0: you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a Niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie?
1: No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: The American Legion Post 278 is hosting a membership drive car show on May 21st. That's this coming weekend. The event's going to take place at the American Legion Hall Post 178. They're located on 2711 Highway 347 in Leonville. The show is going to feature three different classes of cars, including Antique Division. And pre-registration costs only $25. The event is, by the way, free to the general public. There will be refreshments sold there for the car show. For more information, you want to register, put your car in there, want to show it off, or, you know, help become a member of the American Legion, call Charles Taylor at 337-804-2757. That's 337-804-2757. American Legion Post 278 Car Show this coming weekend there in Leonville. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's all about crawfish. It's all about the crawfish. Man, how can you not love crawfish? I love it any way presented. Boiled? On a pole, boy? I'll take that. Crawfish fettuccine? Yes. Crawfish etouffee? Yes. Crawfish nachos? Crawfish on a salad? Let's get it. Let's go. That's our poll question of the day. How do you like your crawfish? 55% of you say all of the above. 30% say crawfish bowl. 15% say crawfish etouffee. No votes yet for just crawfish pull boy. Give you an update on me politicking to have my wife make a delicious crawfish dish. She says yes, in fact, that she will be doing so. She was planning on doing that anyway. Whether or not she will make enough to feed you Hannah five names who looks like an 80-year-old grandma today. I would assume, yes, she would make some extra just for you. That way you can have some of her delicious crawfish etouffee as well. So there you go. That'll make you feel better. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on Brent to the show. Brent, good morning to you, bud. What's on your mind, my friend? Oh, I got a couple of comments for you. One of them is uh, you can add uh, crawfish
5: gumbo to your
2: list. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Now, see, I prefer chicken and sausage gumbo if I had to pick over seafood gumbo, but Oh, yeah, but there you go. Now you're now you speaking my language. I got a uh,
5: and the, the comment I wanted to make was, uh, was it yesterday or the day before uh, when they let Drew Brees go as an announcer for NBC? Oh, yeah. But yeah. What I was getting at is, uh, why do they think just because a certain person played football, they can get in the boot and be good? You know, why don't they just check on it first and just all of a sudden because he played football, he knows. I know he knows the sport, but he might not know that type of way to tell about the sport. Would you comment on
2: that? I appreciate the phone call, Brent. I'll comment on that, bud. Thank you so much. Have a great day, buddy. All right. Yeah, yeah, let's take a moment to talk about that. What's happening when it comes to NFL broadcast teams, the television product in particular, you're seeing what I would call an arms race here where people are throwing around stupid money, and I mean stupid amounts of money, to have their broadcast teams. And so much of it is resolved around, revolves around, rather, former players. Now, look, you've always had former players be part of NFL broadcasts. Okay, go back to Monday Night Football. You had Gifford, you had Meredith. Those guys were great former players. Howard Cosell might have been the guy. Hell, he may have been the most recognizable guy in the booth. Especially to sports fans. But you still had athletes be part of the broadcast, and that went along the way. Pat Simmeral, we remember him as being, for me, the voice of NFL from my childhood was Simmeral and Madden. Well, Madden was a coach. Pat Simmeral was a great player, by the way, before he became a legendary broadcaster. So they're always doing this. Chris Collinsworth was a great wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. But it was always one of those guys, right? You, you only, only, only had a few former players make their transition. It was mainly broadcasters. But that's all shifted. And this is what I call the Tony Romo effect. They caught lightning in a bottle, bottle with Tony. No one had any idea whatsoever that Tony Romo would be as good as he is in a broadcast booth. No one knew that. CBS sure as hell didn't know. They had no idea what they had. And it just caught fire. And they were like, wow, this is great. He's great. Tony's great at what he does. Make no bones about it. But then it's, it's one of those things. You see something happen, and then everyone tries to replicate it. And tries to do the same thing. Because they feel like they're missing out. It's a trend. Tony Romo became a trending thing with his broadcasting abilities. Then everyone else tried to do it. Remember they tried that with Jason Witten? That did not work. Drew Brees was not awful last year. It's just not his thing. Could he still work at it and get and become really good at it? Sure. Sure. But just because you're a great player doesn't mean that you're going to be great in the booth. Everyone's talking about how great Tom Brady's going to be. Okay? Will he? He's got his contract lined up to do that for Fox. Whenever he decides to retire, is he going to be good, though? You don't know. You don't know. And like Brent said, why aren't they trying these guys out? The reason why they're not trying them out is because everyone is so desperate and they're making knee-jerk reactions that they want to get these former players as soon as possible that they're not even realizing if they're going to be a good fit or not. And it's one thing to put together a good tape, And go to the studio and do a little mock example. That's one. You can do that. A lot of guys can do that. But not everyone can be in a studio. Not everyone can be in a broadcast booth. Look, even some of the guys that do it right now are not very good. They're not. I think Randy Moss is because Randy Moss is, is allowed to be himself. But so many of these other guys try to be broadcasters and they're not. Just be yourself. Like, when I tune in and watch Randy Moss as part of the pregame show, Randy's himself. He's got that Virginia country accent, and he is just who he is. He's not trying to be anybody else. I like that. I, can, I respond to that. I want to see that. I want to see you be authentic. But so many of these guys feel like they have to be something else. Will Drew Brees still get into the booth? I don't know. NBC spent a lot of money thinking that he was their answer. Now he's not. Could he go elsewhere? Maybe. Will Sean Payton be good? Maybe. You don't know until you're going to see it. But everyone thinks they're going to be Tony Romo. They're not. There's only one Tony Romo. And the guy is great at what he does. The guy is great at what he does. Let's talk a little NBA while we have a few minutes here. Actually, you know what? Let's take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number two touching on the draft lottery and briefly on the Eastern Conference Finals. I'll be coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 18th, 2001. 101-year-old Harold Stilson becomes the oldest golfer to record a hole-in-one when he aces the 108-yard par-3 16th hole at Deerfield Country Club in Florida. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: NBA draft lottery was last night, and no, the Pelicans did not get the number one overall pick. They had the same percentage chance to do so as they did a few years ago when they took Zion Williamson. They get the eighth pick. Orlando Magic, by the way, get the number one overall pick in this year's NBA draft. Watch out for Oklahoma City, though. The Thunder are doing that massive rebuild, right? They have two lottery picks, and one of them is the number two pick. So they have two lottery picks. And they're going to be set up for a couple years here. So pay attention to what's going to be happening in Oklahoma City with the Thunder, what Sam Presti doing with that rebuild. That said, Pelicans are at eight. That's not great. Look, I think they can get a good player there. It all depends On what their mindset is. Griff is committed to Zion Williamson. That max extension's coming. I know a lot of you don't believe in that. You think it's a mistake. Me and Darren have, our guy, D, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and Company, have had discussions about this on social media. And and I agree with your points. And I actually, but you don't have a choice because Griff. Is committed to having Zion be the face of the franchise. So what do you do now? You know you got a good team, you got a good nucleus, you got your coach. That is without a doubt. You got your coach, you got Bi, you got McCollum. You're gonna have Zion back healthy. Yeah, yeah. You got Herb, who was a great find. Murphy started coming on later on with his three point shooting ability, found his confidence late. Uh, Jose Alvarez. So you have a nice young team, a playoff team. What do you do with that now number eight pick? Can you still get a good player there? Sure. It's a lottery pick for crying out loud. Of course you can. But I don't know if Griff will. I don't know if Griff will. Will he stand Pat? Maybe. Or will he he take a player that he has on his roster and take that number eight pick and trade it for somebody? That's the big question mark is what Griff. They're going to bring back Zion. That's happening. That's not a question mark. What are they going to do with the number eight pick? Are they going to wheel and deal this offseason to try to get another player to come in? I could see that happening because I think Griff may be a little impatient going, well, I get Zion back and I got this playoff team. Let me get one more piece. I could see that, especially if they don't think whoever they could take at number eight can be an instant contributor. So we'll see. Hour number two in the books. We're going to kick off hour number three. With Aria Gerson. She covers the Vanderbilt Commodores for the Tennessean. Going to preview LSU Vandy baseball series. That's coming up next. Right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: They be all
1: right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts the better known as RP3.
2: Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company, 804 on this Hump Day edition of our show. We've had a good one so far, plenty of phone calls, and plenty of reaction to our poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. How do you prefer your crawfish? Bold crawfish, crawfish etouffee, crawfish pull boy, or all of the above? Plus, we also accept write-in votes. Twitter may only keep poll questions to four answers, but we fully accept and encourage you with your write-in votes. Crawfish nachos and... Crawfish Fettuccini, a popular write-in submission so far this morning. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. Coming up in a half hour from right now, our good friend Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the Jarvis Landry signing and where do the Saints go from here? Is running back still a, a position of need? Are they going to do anything to shore up that offensive line? And what type of position battles is he going to be keeping an eye on when training camp starts up just around the corner? But right now it's time for us to talk LSU baseball. They're going to wrap up the regular season on the road at Vanderbilt. Commodores are traditionally one of the best programs, not only in the SEC, but let's be honest, in the entire country. Now, it looked like Vandy was not its vintage self earlier this year but the Commodores have won five of their last six series they are trending in the right direction look prime to host an NCAA regional LSU meanwhile coming off being swept by Ole Miss what can Tiger fans and the Tigers expect this weekend for that three-game series in Nashville to help break it down for us is someone who covers Vanderbilt for the Tennessean she makes her return here to RP3 and company. It's our privilege to welcome back to the show Arya Gerson. Good morning. How are you?
7: I'm doing great. How are you?
2: I'm doing I'm doing great. First question is Vandy didn't seem like themselves earlier in the season, Arya, and then they were able to turn a corner and they've been playing really good baseball of late. Is that simply something to do with the schedule and the the difficulty of the schedule, or is that more to do with how they've been able to turn things around and mature as a team?
7: I think it has to do with the fact that this is a really young team. Um, it's a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores, and I think at first they just sort of, you know, we're having trouble adjusting, especially since a lot of the teams in the SEC this year are older, um, You know, they just had some problems at first, but I think they started to kind of figure it out and gel together, and kind of um, get playing their best and and playing more to their potential as the season has gone on.
2: So they've grown up in a hurry because they did lose a, a, a significant amount of talent off of last year's team, and they're a perennial national power. What was the turning point for you, though, as someone who covers this team? When did you notice a big change that you go, hey, maybe this team can really turn a corner and they're starting to grow up in a hurry?
7: Yeah, I actually think it was just, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, they lost a midweek one to nothing to Louisville, and they were very, like you could tell, they were very upset about that result. And uh, then they went on the road to Georgia just a couple of days later, And, you know, the first game uh, against Georgia, it was very high scoring, you know, very back and forth. And Vanderbilt was able to close it out. It was actually the first game all year that they had won. That was like really back and forth and really high scoring like that. And after a game where the offense didn't do anything, like it really looked different. And that whole series in Georgia, you know. The, the offense seemed to be putting on much more pressure than it had been before. And then they continued it, you know, it, last week against Arkansas. So I think that was really, like, I, I really think that loss just kind of lit a fire under them and that they kind of just turned a corner at that point.
2: Yeah, and it, and it does seem that way. And the SEC is, the landscape of the conference is a little weird this season as well. Tennessee, obviously had such a dominant start that they took all three games swept Vanderbilt earlier this season. But then there's all these other teams that are all just kind of bunched up together, even now towards the end of the season. Aria, do you feel the same way that the SEC, if you take Tennessee out of the equation, it just feels like it's completely wide open?
7: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think there is, you know, obviously Tennessee is is there at the top. But outside of them, I don't think there's really like a truly – dominant team, but I also think there's very few teams that are also just pushovers, like Vanderbilt saw with South Carolina, like that team, you know, they, their record isn't good, but like that is a team that you don't want to play. And there's, you know, a a lot of other teams that, that have been doing really well. Um, And, you know, the schedule is like, Vanderbilt's played a really tough schedule. They've played like pretty much all the top teams in the West. And we didn't necessarily know a couple months ago that some of these teams were going to turn out to be really good. But I think a lot of the teams have turned out to be really good. There's a lot of parity. And I think that's kind of pushed every team to be better as well.
2: Arya, have they put themselves in a position now to be able to host an NCAA regional. I know earlier in the season, just a month ago, that didn't look like a possibility for the Commodores, but it sure does feel like they have a a shot here, especially as we wrap up the regular season.
7: I absolutely think that if they win the series this weekend against LSU, that they will be able to host because they're third in the RPI right now, actually, because um, they just haven't lost, you know, a lot of midweek games or just, you know, games that will really hurt your RPI if you lose them. And so with with that high of an RPI, I think at this point is just a matter of finishing above 500 in the SEC. They're 14 and 13 right now. So I think a series win would do it. I think maybe even like finishing 15 and 15 and then winning a couple games with Hoover might do it, depending on what other teams do. I definitely think it's in play, and I think that will have Vanderbilt very motivated this weekend because you can tell that they really, really want to host the regional.
2: We're talking with Aria Gerson. She covers the Vanderbilt Commodores for the Tennessean. She joins us here on RP3 and Company. LSU Vandy three-game series. They're in Nashville to wrap up the regular season. It'll be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Of course, you can listen to all three of those games right here on the game one oh three seven Lafayette, one oh four one Lake Charles, your home for LSU Athletics in Southwest Louisiana. Let's talk about this weekend series. Tell me a little bit about the pitching staff the rotation that Vanderbilt's gonna put out there for the regular season finale.
7: Yeah, Vanderbilt's rotation has been very interesting because actually last week against Arkansas, they they've they've kind of tinkered with their rotation the past few weeks and uh Changed it up. They haven't announced their probables this week, but if they use the same rotation that they did against Arkansas, it actually includes two freshmen. Um, so there's Devin Cutrell, who was previously a midweek starter, and he has been just very good this season. He never walks anybody. Um, you know, he's got a really good changeup, uh, left-handed pitcher. And then Carter Holton is also a left-handed pitcher. And he threw a complete game shutout last week against Arkansas. It was seven innings, but it was still a complete game shutout. And he's been really good the past couple weeks as well. Um, and then their other starter, who usually goes or has been going in the second game, which normally Saturday, this week would be Friday, was Chris McIlvain, who's a junior. And um, he's, you know, they're they're really experienced pitcher um, on the staff. And um, the bullpen is also really deep. They have a lot of options in the bullpen. Thomas Schultz is their closer. He's really good. He has an ERA this season of 1.27, um, and he also seven saves. So uh, he's, he's just been nails for them as well. But the rest of the bullpen you know, is really deep as well.
2: You know, LSU, Jay Johnson's team, they can rake. They do struggle at times with timely hits, but we know they can hit, and I know you've noticed that from afar as well. Who has kind of the advantage here in this matchup between Vandy's staff and LSU's uh, lineup?
7: Absolutely. I, you know, normally I would be a little bit concerned with facing LSU if I was Vanderbilt's staff because of, uh Vanderbilt's pitching can be a little bit home run prone, but I think there's two things. The first is that this is in Nashville and the that ballpark is a little bit difficult to to hit home runs at. But also because LSU has not hit left handed pitching well this year and Vanderbilt has two left handed pitchers in their rotation. So I think that does give them a bit of an advantage at least in in those two um in those two games. I think – but I do think, you know, LSU is going to score on Vanderbilt. So I think, you know, the offense will have to do something. It's not like the type of opponent where Vanderbilt can just, you know, ride their pitching to completely to a win.
2: LSU is having issues with its rotation. Um, Mikhail Hilliard is has been very good as the Friday night starter, but Blake Money has lost his confidence. They're trying to figure out what to do with him and the last couple of series has been pitching by committee what do you think Vanderbilt's going to do with with that knowing that LSU doesn't have three guys they can throw out there as three frontline starters
7: yeah i mean i think that's kind of where vanderbilt likes that it has so much depth because vanderbilt doesn't really have like one ace pitcher one pitcher who's just you know completely um, front line, but they have uh, so much depth that they just have so many pitchers that they can keep throwing at you. But, you know, offensively, Vanderbilt's mostly been sticking to a pretty similar um, lineup most days. So I think they'll just continue to stick with the guys that, you know, that have been playing, maybe play a little bit of matchups, which they do sometimes. But I think it's more just that, you know, they have to keep the pressure on offensively. They have to, you know, be getting getting pitchers out of the game knowing that they don't have necessarily a ton of depth and that, you know, force them to use their bullpen, which is what they did against Arkansas, and they did it against Georgia, but they haven't always been able to do it this season.
2: Aria, we'll wrap it up with this. How many sec teams do you think when once the dust settles after the tournament's done how many sec teams do you think are going to be playing in ncaa regionals
7: in regionals i would say um probably nine or yeah i would say nine i think um Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Florida, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Auburn, LSU, and Ole Miss is what I would say.
2: Yeah, and what's crazy, Ole Miss looked like they were were dead in the water and looked like they were going to have to fire their coach in the middle point of the season. But this is why we play the games, and this is why we play them all. Appreciate you jumping on, Aura. Thank you so much. Tell the people where they can follow you on social media and where they can go to read all of your work covering Vanderbilt, LSU this weekend.
7: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Aria underscore Gerson, A-R-I-A underscore G-E-R-S-O-N. And you can find my work at Tennessean.com, T-E-N-N-E-S-S-E-A-N.com.
2: Appreciate your time. Enjoy the weekend series, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. That's Aria Gerson. She covers Vanderbilt Commodores for the Tennessean there in Nashville, breaking it all down. Look, Vandy's found themselves. They lost a lot of talent from last year's team. They've turned a corner. They're feeling confident. It's tough to win in Nashville against the Commodores, just not because of the Whistler. So, But you never do know what you're going to get out of this year's LSU team, do you? We didn't expect them to be swept by Ole Miss. Would I be stunned if they went into Nashville this weekend, even with their pitching problems in the rotation, and win that series? No. Neither should you. It also wouldn't be surprised if they lost two of three to Vandy. You just don't know what you're going to get because of the unpredictability with the pitching staff. Look, you know LSU's going to hit, but if you don't have consistent pitching, that's usually going to be an issue. Hey. Just a reminder, if you want to see the Houston Astros in person, then listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. It's weekend getaway number two. Houston's going to take on the Chicago White Sox. That's right. The Southsiders are going to come to town Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. Go register in the Game Clubhouse right now at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. I'll repeat myself. I know what you're doing. Money may be a little bit tight. You like RP3. I'd love to go see the Astros play. But if I got to pay for my gas and tickets and concessions, oh man, and a hotel room? That's a lot. Not to worry. Once again, we're going to hook you up with four tickets. White Sox-Strohs. You're going to get four tickets. You're going to get a tour of the ballpark. And we're going to take care of your hotel room that Saturday night. You just take care of getting yourself there. Astro weekend getaways are powered by Butcher A.C., Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So, you want to go see the Astros play? Take advantage of our Astros weekend getaway number two. Go Join our clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. we got to take a timeout. Phone lines are back open. Game hotline 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team and Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station
2: oh don't go through another summer with that awful joint pain call qc kinetics right now hey it's raymond parts the better known as rp3 that pain in your back your knees and your shoulder look it can now be treated with the latest in precision medicine using natural biologics, growth factors that can actually restore and repair damaged tissue, really exciting stuff. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine, giving you access right here to this modern-day joint pain solution. You can get lasting joint pain relief with no drugs, no steroids, no downtime, and guess what? No surgery. You've heard Emmett Smith raving about QC Kinetics. You've read or seen other high-profile people talking about it. Regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can help you get your life back. Take action right now. Get a free consultation. Powerful, effective joint pain treatments with natural biologics are here. Call QC Kinetics right now. 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. Don't forget to vote on the old poll question of the day. Let's check in on that bad boy, shall we? We asked you how you like your crawfish. That's our foodie poll question of the week. Multiple choices here. You could go with, hey, wait for it, crawfish boil, crawfish etouffee, crawfish pull boy, or all of the above. 53% 53% of you say all of the above for our foodie poll question of the week. 28% of you say crawfish bowl. 19% say crawfish a etouffee. No votes yet for a crawfish pull boy. Lots of write-in votes for crawfish fettuccine. We also have had some crawfish bisque. Crawfish nachos. I mean, just take crawfish however you can get it. I mean, that's really what the thing is. David Dugas has chimed in. He says, I like mine in my stomach. Yes, David. That is the correct answer. Man likes him in his belly. Kid in his belly. That's what he wants that to be done. In the belly with the crawfish. Why wouldn't you? Let's go to the book of face, as we like to call it, Facebook, and see what you guys are saying on the Facebook about how you like the crawfish plenty of comments to get to jude jude miller says boiled but a etouffee pretty darn good too you're darn tootin it is jeff broussard on a plate in front of me that's my man brody says crawfish quesadillas Whew. that could be a game changer i've had crawfish quesadillas they are phenomenal thomas says weird thing i was born in louisiana and live in louisiana and i don't eat seafood bad experience as a kid and just never liked it again thomas let's take care of you bud let's welcome you in back to the family of eating delicious seafood we got to get thomas some homemade crawfish etouffee we got to take care of thomas we got to bring him back into the fold i think that's our job let's make it happen randy on facebook says crawfish boil spicy enough to make my nose run but not enough to hurt oh yeah you got to find the sweet spot there And Brian Gidry with the efficient comment this morning. All. Yes. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those votes coming as well on the poll question of the day. Oh, let's head back out to the hotline. This gentleman could want to talk LSU softball, Cajun softball, LSU baseball, or crawfish. You never do know. He keeps us on our toes. It's our good friend Doug. Doug, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend?
8: Oh, good morning, Ray. Good morning. It's a little LSU baseball. You know, Ray, you know Ray, that old truck you got, man, you just love that truck, boy. And you, you, you you wash it, take care of it. You get down the road and it just sputters and breaks down on you. And you got to call your brother to come with his cane <laughs> to pull you back to pull you back home. Yes. Yeah, you know? yeah, yes, sir. And, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah, I have too, Ray. And and, <laughs> and you kind of feel with it, you know, tanker with it. You get it running again. ball man, you feel good. Okay, you go down the road. And sure enough, man, you're calling your brother back up. I'm with you, Chan, and get me, man. It it's broke down again. That's LSU baseball, Ray. That's LSU baseball. You know, and until Coach J.J., can fix a uh, pitching staff. That's that's what it's going to be like. Yeah, the rotation gonna is going to be the over. issue,
2: Doug. Right, the rotation's the issue. Look, they can hit, they can hit, and sometimes those bats oh, are going to yeah. go quiet because that's just baseball. But right. they they don't have anybody else besides Hilliard, and and that's the problem. And right. you thought Blake Money, he just lost his confidence, lost his mojo, and they haven't been able to figure out the rest of the pitching staff, and that's what's going to hold them back from getting to Omaha. They have the lineup. To get to the College oh, yeah. World Series, absolutely. They, sure they do, Ray. They just don't have and enough frontline pitching.
8: I've heard, I've heard them say that the Blake Money had a little carpal tunnel oh,
2: issue. Oh man,
8: I don't know. You know, I just don't know. We've we talked about Money from the beginning of the season. It's just we just didn't figure him out. He just couldn't last more than four innings, and he would give up two runs the first inning. uh, And that's the rest of the pitching staff. We just can't find a a good starting lineup, you know. And, and until look, our expectations were just maybe a little too high for the first year. Let's give Coach JJ a, a shot at fixing things. And, and
2: Absolutely, bud.
8: And coming back next year and, and making a good run.
2: There you go, brother. There you go. I'm 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 completely on board with you with that, Doug. Appreciate the phone call, bud. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. Thank you, Ray. Yeah, look, expectations. Should have been lowered. Look, the lineup is really good. And there was a lot of buzz about this team. And this, let's just say this. The way this team hits, they're going to be in any game they play. The problem that's going to hold them back is the rotation. They don't have enough front line pitching. And in college baseball, you need the pitchers to get through the regional, super regionals, and at the College World Series. If you only have one horse, so to speak, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. you got to have at least one more, maybe two more guys that you can depend on. Right now, towards the tail end of the season, LSU doesn't have that. They have Hilliard, and then that's it. They got relievers they, they, they like. They're, they have confidence in. They don't have another starting pitcher they do. And that's the problem for them. we got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk to Ross Jackson of the Locked on Saints podcast. But before we do that, I got a pair of tickets to Downtown Rising to give away. We've been giving them away all week. Going to continue to do so this week and next week. Not only here on RP3 and Company, but on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh as well. We've been asking trivia questions, and that's how you're going to score free tickets to go see Cold War kids at Downtown Rising. First day? Monday? It was all about the Saints, wasn't it? That's what our trivia questions were about. Yesterday, it was about the Houston Astros. Well, guess what? Today, it's going to be all about LSU. This is an easy one. I expect to get a winner on this right off the bat. We're going to make it easy for you. You want to win two tickets to go see Cold War kids at Downtown Rising, we got them for you. You can win them. Call the hotline. 3377060111 that's 3377060111 with the correct answer tell it to the producer extraordinaire Hannah Five names your trivia question to win those tickets are is rather who is the only golden spikes winner in LSU baseball history golden spikes goes to the best player in the country LSU has had a lot of great players they've only had one win the Golden Spikes Award. Who is the only Golden Spikes winner in LSU baseball history? Call the hotline, 337-706-0111. First one to answer it correctly, it's going to win tickets to Downtown Rising featuring the Cold War kids. we got to take a timeout. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: Ready for Saints talk. Begin the camara Breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone. Touchdown. Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company.
2: Ross Jackson, our friend from the Locked On Saints podcast, joins us now for the Big Easy Blitz. Brother, first question to you is this Did you ever imagine a scenario where Mickey Loomis and company would have be been able to pull off getting Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry on this roster?
6: <laughs> well, hey, first of all, good morning to you, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Um yeah, no, I look, it's a really, really interesting move. And it's funny because at the beginning of this free agency period, there was a lot of there were a lot of question marks about the same sort of uh, patient approach to free agency, right? Not really coming out, making any big moves. They landed uh, Marcus May to open up free agency and then made a couple of other smaller moves like Octavia Street, so on and so forth. So for the Saints to walk away with Teron Matthew and Jarvis Landry in May after the draft is pretty outstanding because had those signings been made, let's say, the you know one week into free agency, the tune around the New Orleans Saints and their free agency approach all offseason would have been massively different than what we've seen so far, than what we ended up seeing during the course of the offseason. But really, they started to pick up a lot of momentum once they got into and through the first round of that draft. They've been able to keep it going with a couple of uh, hometown guys, bringing them back home.
2: And, of course, they wheel and deal and figure out ways to get them on team-friendly deals where the player gets a nice signing bonus and the team doesn't have to be killed with the salary cap. They have this – so now with Landry in the fold, how do you imagine the wide receiving core looking on the field? Give me your one through six and also throw in tight end as well, bud.
6: Yeah, I think that your top three wide receivers now are entirely different than the top three wide receivers that you put on the field last year. So I think right now you're looking at Michael Thomas and Chris Olave probably manning the outside quite a bit which Jarvis Landry on the inside, but expect the three of them to be able to move around. The same qualities of the New Orleans Saints like on the defensive side when it comes to uh, multiplicity and their ability to be able to move around and be you know uh, versatile, they're going to be able to do that over on the offensive side as well. And I think that the bottom three guys, it's hard to call them the bottom three guys, but the next three guys are probably your three starters from last year in Deontay Hardy, Marquette, Calloway, and Traquan Smith. At this point, Uh, I mean, I think there are going to be a couple of other guys that might be able to fight for some spots due to some special teams acumen like undrafted free agent uh, Rashid Shahid. But in terms of the top six guys, that's probably who you're looking at this year. And I think the Saints are in a really, really good position there because they effectively take three starters from last year and turn them into depth and then bring in a whole new receiving core coming into 2022.
2: Now, they also signed a guy that I'm really high on because I saw him play in person. That's the young man from Nichols. At wide receiver. And mm-hmm. I know he's going to have an uphill battle because he's an undrafted rookie free agent. He's going to be a practice squad guy. So I know it's going to be a challenge. I get that. Mm-hmm. But of the guys that were starters last year that are now going to be four, five, and six on the depth chart, who is the most vulnerable to maybe lose their job during training camp once once things are all said and done?
4: Oh,
6: that's a tough one. I think out of the three guys, Deontay Hardy, Marquis Callaway, and Traquan Smith, that would be most likely to maybe be displaced. I I guess I'd have to go with Traquan Smith in that situation. It's tough because contract wise, uh Marques Callaway would actually be the one that makes the most sense there. But I just think that everything that you get with Marquis Callaway just fits the Saints brand of football. So much just in terms of being, you know, a big guy that can run inside and out. And that really developed as a receiver very well over the course of 2021. So I would say that if there's another guy that could end up maybe jumping into that, it would be the wide receiver out of Nichols on draft free agent, DeJon Dixon, because of the fact that, again, he's just like Marquise Callaway in that way. Maybe that's another reason that you look at Marquise Callaway as the guy that could potentially be displaced. But I just don't see it happening when it comes to Callaway. I think the Saints like him way, too, way too much uh, for that. But Dejon Dixon does fill a similar role. I'm looking forward to seeing him out at training camp because I think he's going to be one of those guys that ends up being, you know, that training camp star, and I agree. He probably ends up on the practice squad. But remember, with all the practice squad rules this year, if they walk into a pass-heavy game or they walk into a game so they want
2: more perimeter run
6: blocking, for instance, Dejon Dixon could still find his way to the um, to the game day roster off of the practice squad.
2: Yeah, and I think, look, I don't think that's going to happen, but sometimes the Saints surprise us with a cut late in training camp. And a lot of times guys will make a name for themselves and push out a veteran. It's happened over and over again, but I still Mm -hmm. think they like all six there. Let's talk about tight end, because I know Taysom Hill is being moved over there. I like that move by Dennis Allen. He's taking out any quarterback controversy. It's not going to be an issue. We're going to use Taysom on the field. What does that mean for Adam Troutman, or are we going to see both guys get a significant playing time this season at the tight end position?
6: I think depending upon when Taysom Hill is healthy and able to hit the field coming off that Liz Frank injury, you're going to see a lot of Taysom and Adam Troutman in those 12 personnel packages. I think that Adam Troutman gives you such a good, true Y option, a blocking tight end that can also break out and run a few routes for you um, should you need him. He's not going to be maybe your main passing threat, or, or maybe this year he does turn into that. But it feels like Taysom Hill is going to be more of an F-move guy, so they'll line him up in line, but then they'll also move into the slot. They'll line him up out wide. They'll uh, line him up in the backfield, use him as a uh, player that can take a linebacker and man coverage before the snap and move him out of position to lighten up the box for the run game, for instance. So there will be a lot of different ways that they can use Taysom Hill as a chess piece, but I think the way you maximize that is by making sure you get the 11 best players out on the field, and there are going to be times where in certain situations that's going to mean both Troutman and Taysom Hill being on the field together quite a bit.
2: Ross, let's talk running back. Look, the Kamara situation is what it is. We're not going to know anything, especially if mm-hmm. the case keeps getting pushed, right? If the can gets keep getting kicked down the road, the NFL is not going to suspend them until some type of decision's made. Right, so we we know that's that that's their protocol. There may not be a decision made during the season, so we could have the Saints could have Kamara the whole season, right? But I know there's a concern about the depth. I like the kid out of Baylor. I think he can play. The Saints know what they're doing, especially when they scout undrafted uh, rookie running backs. But that being said, even with Tony Jones Jr. and Dwayne Washington and Mark Ingram, are the Saints still in the market to bring in a veteran running back?
6: I think that they certainly should be. I mean, you're right. I think it goes beyond just, you know, preparing for life without Alvin Kamara in case that happens in 2022. I think you still want depth there, and I think you still want to be able to rotate. You still want to be able to take uh, Alvin Kamara and line him up in the slot. And because you're doing that, you're probably going to want somebody else in the backfield. And I think Mark, uh, Mark Ingram can still be that guy, particularly from a uh, pass-blocking perspective, but he can also be somebody that can tote the rock for you a little bit as well. But you're probably going to still want some more change of pace. So Abram Smith out of Baylor is definitely worth watching as they come in with an undrafted free agent. They just brought back Devine Azigbo, who actually saw snaps for the Saints. You look back at the Seahawks game last year. That's right. He actually saw snaps with the Saints in 2021, right? So he could be somebody that ends up walking into that role. But I wouldn't rule out a couple of other, um, you know, reunions at this point. We know the New Orleans Saints love to stock that run- running back room during training camp. We've seen them bring in guys like Mike Gillisley, Mike uh, Devonte Freeman in the past I think there's a good chance that a guy like Latavius Murray or Devontae Freeman could be somebody that sees their name called or they could continue that LSU trend and bring in Darrell Williams as well there's a lot of veteran options out there for them that they don't need to be in a rush to land right now but can certainly get a look at in training camp.
2: and then it would also continue the tradition you bring in a veteran and then you cut said veteran because your undrafted rookie took their job At the end of camp, which happens a lot at the running back position. Uh, We're talking (laughs) with Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and company for the Big Easy Blitz. All right, but let's talk about the offensive line. Because, look, I look at this offense, I I look at it being stacked. Wide receiver, tight end, quarterback. I think Jameis is set up for great success. I know there's a section of the population that wants a different quarterback and doesn't like him. We don't have time to delve into that. I'm not going to waste time. I'm not going to waste your valuable time discussing that. The O-line, if you get your starters in place, I think you're set. Ramchek, best right tackle. Mm-hmm. I believe in Doug Marone to be able to fix Caesar Ruiz and improve Andres Pete. Pete's going to be coming off the injury as well. I think they're set, and whether that's Hurst or the young fella out of Northern Iowa at left tackle, they're good there. But the problem is depth across the offensive line. It was an issue last year. How do they resolve that? How are they going to do that? They got their starting five. What's it going to look like after that?
6: Yeah, I think that when it comes to depth after those guys, if you can get Trevor Pinning out there to be that starter at left tackle, you're in a really, really good place in terms of your your rotating sixth offensive lineman with James Hurst. Right. James Hurst is somebody that started you know right tackle, left tackle. He's played some right guard, left guard for the team in the past, as well as other teams in the past, played all over the place. Uh, for the Baltimore Ravens before you know his injury, and then ended up landing and then you know finding his landing spot with the New Orleans Saints. I think one of your premier or let's say top depth pieces when it comes to tackle though is going to be Landon Young, the mm-hmm. offensive lineman, offensive tackle that they drafted out of Kentucky last year. They really, really like him. And I think for good reason. I mean, he's somebody that was a part of, they called it the big blue wall at Kentucky. That was a fantastic offensive line over there that you had a mobile quarterback that was, you know, kind of Payson Hill like coming out of Kentucky at that time that would kind of get rotated in every now and then. And so I think that those were probably your top two depth options behind that though it's going to be a lot of battle. It's going to be a lot of battling to see who's able to slide in and who's able to maintain there. They love Ethan Greenidge at the moment. He has been you know, brought back on the roster, but the Saints are going to have to find what those depth pieces are going to be over on the offensive line. Because last year that was one of the places that they struggled. Now, of course they were dealing with, you know, 58 different starters throughout the regular season. And then, you know, you end up seeing way more of those depth pieces than you expect. But I mean, you know, on the offensive side, when it comes to depth potentially losing you games, the offensive line is where it's hard to ignore if something like that happens. So that's definitely something that I would uh, be keeping an eye out on and will be keeping an eye out on throughout training camp is to see who are those younger offensive linemen that are standing up, that are performing well, and that are guys that look like they could potentially fight for a spot as a um, as a viable depth offensive lineman. Uh, sorry, one other guy that I'll mention uh, is Calvin Throckmorton oh yeah extremely versatile played you know four out of five positions during his time at college so those are probably your top three depth pieces but then you're still going to want to fill in one or two more guys after that plus your practice squad so lots of opportunity for those offensive linemen that are currently on the roster to be able to make names for themselves going into 2022.
2: one more for you Ross give me the rotation how the defensive secondary is going to be set and how they're going to utilize all those guys, many of them versatile and some of them new.
6: Oh, it's going to be so fun. I cannot wait to see what Dennis Allen and Chris Richard and Ryan Nielsen do with that back hat, with that back end, that secondary. So, I mean, you know that you have your number one corner. Leave him out on an island guy in Marshawn Lattimore. But outside of that, this New Orleans Saints defense and their secondary is going to be able to rotate and disguise coverages. Very, very deep into snaps. Marcus May can play both free safety and strong safety. He can play in the box, but he can also play deep. Uh, Marcus Williams, who they lost over the course of the off-season since 2017, had the second highest forcing completion percentage. First highest on that list was Marcus May. So they immediately replaced Marcus Williams with another ball hawking guy that can make some plays uh, in pass coverage. But he played in Robert Sala's defense last year, which asked a lot of him playing in the box, nearly 50% of his snaps came in the box during his time with Robert Sala's defense. So he gives you the opportunity to be able to do that. You have that same type of versatility with Tyron Matthew. So these guys are going to be interchangeable throughout the, you know, throughout the defensive snaps and they get to test that against the guy that they fooled over and over again, in terms of their defensive looks week two against Tom Brady. And there's no better barometer than that because they've been able to make that work over the course of the past two seasons. Now can they keep that going? So you'll see a lot of rotation between the two of them holding different safety roles. CJ Gardner-Johnson is somebody that can slide into either one of those roles, as well as playing in the slot. PJ Williams can play in the slot and play deep as well. And then you're going to have a little bit of a battle opposite at corner when it comes to uh, the the corner spot opposite Marshall Lattimore between second-year guy Paulson Debo out of Stanford, who performed extremely well as a rookie last year, and then Alante Taylor, the wide, excuse me, the cornerback out of Tennessee that the Saints drafted in the second round this year. There's going to be a bit of a battle between the two of them, but Alante Taylor also has some versatility. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. Bradley Roby has some versatility. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. So the States are going to be able to march out a ton of different looks and even when they get into dime packages and there are six defensive uh, backs out there, with the exception of Marshawn Lattimore, I don't know that you're going to be able to look, especially with the sort of mediocre row of quarterbacks that the Saints play against this year, you're going to be able to confuse a lot of those quarterbacks. Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter week one, not going to have a good time looking at the Saints secondary and trying to figure out what they're doing pre-snap versus post-snap. So that. That's going to be one of my favorite trends to watch over the course of the 2022 season is how they utilize, mix up, and, and take advantage of the the flexibility and multiplicity of that Saints defense.
2: And like in years past, where we look at the roster and we go, "Oh, look at all the toys that Sean Payton has for offense this year." It's look at all the toys Dennis Allen has for his defense, Ross. That's, that's the exactly biggest. Right. It's, a yep. big, it's a big shift, brother. I got to go. Appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you for making the time.
6: Tommy, always a pleasure. Appreciate you having me on. Talk to you here soon. It's
2: Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast. We got to take a timeout. We'll finalize the poll question of the day. Get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to thank our two guests today on this hump day edition of RP3 and Company, Aria Gerson. She covers the Vanderbilt Commodores for the Tennessean there in Nashville, helping us preview LSU at Vandy. Ross Jackson, of course, our buddy from the Locked On Saints podcast. We had a poll question of the day. It was a good one. It's our foodie poll question of the week. How do you like your crawfish? You like it in a crawfish boil? Do you like it? Crawfish etouffee. Do you like just a crawfish poor boy or do you like all of the above? A slew of write in votes as well for crawfish fettuccine, crawfish nachos, crawfish bisque. Who's hungry? Let's go get some crawfish right now. Final results though 52% of you say all of the above. 29% say crawfish boil. 19% say crawfish etouffee. Thanks to all who commented and voted on the poll question of the day. Appreciate the slew of phone calls. Y'all had a lot on your mind today, and we appreciate you giving us a call. And also, before we sign off, shout-out to our latest winner. That's right. Matt Kimbrough from Scott answered the trivia question, who is the only Golden Spikes winner in LSU baseball history? Of course, it was Ben McDonald. And Matt Kimbrough out of Scott has won himself some tickets to go see Downtown Rising featuring Cold War kids tune in this afternoon for a one-hour edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. They're going to get you set up for LSU Baseball, and oh, by the way, they'll be giving away a pair of tickets this afternoon as well for Downtown Rising. For the producer extraordinaire, the one and only Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parcher III, better known as RP3. That'll do it for us today. We'll come back tomorrow, try to be better, 6-9. to nine. But until then, be safe out there, be kind to one another. Kevin, foot and footnotes, is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.